Hey guys, this is Erin from Roadrun Blonde, and I wanted to tell you about a new feature on ACAST that supports its artists. It's the supporter feature. Listeners to Roadrun Blonde can now donate and support the podcast. However, there's no subscription or commitment. You can just give whenever or whatever you'd like. It's completely up to you. Just find the support the show link in the show description on any episode. You can use Apple Pay or Google Pay, and it takes less than 30 seconds. You can donate anonymously, or you can add a message that I can see. As a podcaster, everything comes directly out of my pocket. I don't get paid to podcast. It's just my passion. So anything is appreciated to keep the show going. Thank you so much, guys. And now on to the show. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hello and welcome to Red Rum Blonde. This is a true crime podcast. Each week, I'll explore a case, the victims, the facts, and the mystery surrounding it. Some are solved, some remain unsolved. I'm your host, Erin Fleming. May Whitehead hurried to the garage. It was her job to get her boss's car out, bring it down to the cafe, and to make sure they made it to the studio on time. Back in 1933, she was called a maid, but today, she would be considered more of a personal assistant. When she opened the door to the car, she was shocked to see someone in the seat slumped over. The figure wore a full-length mink coat, a blue sequined evening gown. Jewels adorned her hands and wrists, and delicate shoes were balanced upon her feet. This was the same outfit her employer was wearing last night for a dinner party in her honor. So what was she still doing in the car? For a moment, May thought the woman was asleep. She shook the woman's shoulders to rouse her, but she was ice cold. Her employer wasn't sleeping. She was dead. Not only that, but she was one of the hottest stars in Hollywood. Was this an accident, suicide, or murder? This week, I'll talk about the death of the ice cream blonde, Thelma Todd. For this episode, I used articles from Marvin J. Wolf, Hollywood Review, Hadley Mears, Teodora Mascamova, and that was on Medium.com, 
a blog called the Vintage Woman Magazine by Ula Ross, and Wikipedia. Thelma Alice Todd was born on July 29, 1906 in Lawrence, Massachusetts. Her father, John Shaw Todd, was an upholsterer from Ireland, and her mother, Alice Edwards, was an immigrant from Canada. It was just the three in the family after the loss of Thelma's brother, William, who died in an accident in 1910. Early on in life, Thelma thought she would become a schoolteacher. But after success in pageants and modeling, her focus changed. In 1925, she was spotted by a Hollywood talent scout while representing her state in a pageant. And that led to the Paramount Players School in Astoria, Queens, New York. At this school, potential talent was taught things like dictation and manners. And Thelma was one of only two who made it to Hollywood, getting work at Hal Roach Studios in 1929. Hal Roach Studios was known as the Laugh Factory to the World and produced short films starring Harold Lloyd and the R Gang Kids. In 1931, Roach wanted to create a female comedy team in the vein of successful Laurel and Hardy. So he teamed Todd with Zazu Pitts in a series of comedy short films, which did really well. Zazu Pitts left the duo in 1931, being replaced by Patsy Kelly. In the films, Todd is usually playing the straight woman while Kelly was the goofball cut up. Now, Hollywood wasn't too different in certain aspects as it is now, especially for female stars. Hal Roach put Thelma on what he called a potato clause. Thelma had to maintain a certain weight. I think it was around 122 pounds. And if she went over by five pounds, her contract would end effective immediately. Can you believe that? Now, her mother was something of a stage mom, and she was encouraged by her to start taking diet pills, which then led to addiction throughout her short life. Her father didn't seem to treat her any better, being physically abusive to her. So these are both influences in her life that would play out later and cause the starlet to be drawn to some very bad characters. 1931 was a pivotal year for her personally and professionally. Known for her comedic talent, Todd began to star in some dramatic roles, such as a version of the Maltese Falcon. Her comedic work also continued, and she worked with greats as Laurel and Hardy and the Marx Brothers. She was marketed as the ice cream blonde, and she nicknamed herself Hot Toddy due to her platinum blonde hair and obvious sex appeal. The same year, she met and worked with director Roland West, with whom she would become romantically involved. Now, West was estranged from his wife, silent actress Jewel Carmen, when the two became involved. Now, other accounts say Carmen and West were divorced. Oddly, the trio would then become business partners in August of 1934 and opening Thelma Todd's Sidewalk Cafe in Los Angeles. The Sidewalk Cafe was this beautiful Mediterranean-style building built in 1927. It originally housed some retail shops and a restaurant on the Pacific Coast Highway. The bottom floor contained the actual Sidewalk Cafe, which was the restaurant. And the second floor held the Joya Cafe, which was more of a nightclub. 
Joya being the nickname West gave to Jewel Carmen. Now, Todd and West lived in an adjoining apartment separated by a sliding wooden door. Todd told gossip columnist Luella Parsons about her inspiration to start a cafe by saying, I've heard so much about the choice foods of those days preceding Prohibition when eating was still a fine art. Always, I read with great interest about the gay 90s when people dined with pomp and ceremony before they became addicted to grabbing a sandwich, a slab of pie, and calling it a meal. Thelma worked very hard on the cafe and was often seen working behind the counter. The cafe became extremely popular with tourists, celebrities, and reportedly mobsters. By 1935, there were rumors that she was going to add a new addition and spend $10,000 on improvements. So I think Todd was thinking in the long term that she would have something to fall back on. She was becoming gradually disillusioned with being a Hollywood starlet. There was everything from the emphasis on her weight and looks to the Hollywood casting couch that had really taken their toll. She was quoted as saying, I realized long ago that it is only a case of a few years for an actress before she gradually, sometimes almost imperceptibly, loses popularity, and younger ones start to take her place. It's pretty hard to have your lifelong career at an end, so I decided long ago that I wasn't going to be one of them. The years are not going to bother me as they do so many of my colleagues. Wrinkles won't worry me, neither will increasing weight, because... As long as I can use my head, it won't matter how I look. At the time of the Sidewalk Cafe, Todd and West were an item, but that wasn't always the case. In 1932, she briefly married Pasquale Pat DeSico. Pat was an agent and movie producer who allegedly worked for mobster Lucky Luciano. Now, the two had a very torrid romance that often became physical. One fight ended with Pat having a broken nose and Thelma needing an emergency appendectomy. And believe me, as hard as I tried, these are all the details I could find out about this fight. Needless to say, it was hard to find anything good that anyone had to say about this man. Most articles I read said that he was abusive in all of his relationships, including his later marriage to Gloria Vanderbilt. And most just described him as a glorified pimp for Lucky Luciano. The couple eventually divorced in 1934. Now, Thelma Todd did have an issue with alcohol and pills. In January of 1933, she drove her car into a palm tree, causing three broken ribs, internal injuries, and a broken collarbone. At this point, the studio forbade her to drive, and that's when Mae Whitehead began driving her. Now, I also read rumors that she had an affair with Lucky Luciano, who addicted her to amphetamines, but I could not substantiate this one. At the time of her death, she was rumored to be, once again, romantically involved with Roland West. This is just a weird relationship. They were living in that adjoined apartment above the cafe. But West also had a house that was about 500 yards up the cliffside from the cafe, in which his ex, Jewel Carmen, lived. There wasn't any article I could find that cleared up what kind of relationship the three had, whether this was strictly business or there was more than that. I have no idea. But this ambiguity will play into theories about her demise. 
So now let's get to that last day of Thelma Todd's life. On December 14, 1935, the 29-year-old went to a party at the Trocadero Cafe, which was a very popular Hollywood restaurant. Thelma was the guest of honor at a party thrown by Stanley Lupino and his daughter, actress Ida Lupino. So while there, Thelma ran into her ex, Pat DeSico, who had reportedly come to the party with his new girlfriend, actress Margaret Lindsay. As you can imagine, the two argued. But despite the argument, Thelma tried to just pass it off and enjoy her night. According to guests, she drank excessively. And at one point, she even confided to Ida Lupino that she'd begun a new romance with a wealthy businessman who lived in San Francisco. Around 1 a.m., Thelma asked Sid Grauman to phone Roland West to say that she would be home soon. Yes, that's Sid Grauman of Grauman's Chinese Theater. This is an all-star jam. West had wanted Thelma to be home by 2 a.m. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Yeah. So Grauman made the call, but Thelma actually didn't leave until 3 a.m., her chauffeur, Ernest Peters, dropped her off home around 3.45 a.m., and he was the last person to see her alive. On Monday morning around 10.30, May Whitehead found her boss slumped over inside the car. So what confused me at first was that Thelma Todd was found inside Roland West's garage. Now, this is the garage to the house that was 500 feet away from the sidewalk cafe. This is the residence that Thelma had nothing to do with. Remember, Thelma lived in the apartment above the cafe, and this is the residence where Roland's ex lived. So I guess her car was kept there, but why was Thelma's body there? Whitehead rushed down to the cafe where she ran into Charles Smith, who was the cafe's treasurer and a director that Roland had worked with a few times. Coincidentally, Smith had been staying above the garage where Thelma Todd was found, yet he heard nothing. Smith notified West on the intercom system. Roland West had been in a dead sleep. Once he realized what was happening, he and May raced down to the garage. And from the way it sounds, West was at the apartment and not at the house where Thelma Todd was found. West asked May Whitehead to find his brother-in-law, Rudolph Schaefer, who was also the cafe manager. After examining the body, both men determined that Thelma was indeed deceased. The men decided to then notify the police. 
police arrived on the scene almost immediately ruling out robbery since Todd was still wearing, get this, the almost $20,000 worth of jewelry that she had worn the night of the party. And she was also dressed in her evening gown and her fur coat with her purse on the seat next to her. Although the car wasn't running, the ignition was turned on. However, there were still 2.5 gallons of gas still in the car. The coroner's first thought was carbon monoxide poisoning. But I've read varying accounts of what state her body was in. Several reports say that she had a broken nose, blood on her lip, and possibly even marks around her neck. So this calls into question any idea of simple carbon monoxide poisoning. Her autopsy revealed that she had a 0.13 blood alcohol level and 75 to 80% carbon monoxide saturation. Her last meal consisted of peas and carrots, which, oddly, had not been served at the Trocadero. Time of death was placed between 4 and 5 a.m. the night of the party. And that means she would have sat there in that car dead all day Sunday. Initially, they ruled her death a suicide, but then cause of death was changed to accidental. Of course, in the years since, theories have sprung up about her death. So let's go into them. First, was this a suicide? Her chauffeur, Ernest Peters, said Todd was oddly quiet on the ride home the night of the party. Now, usually she asked him to walk her to her door, but this night she didn't. However, there are quite a few points that refute the idea of a suicide. For one, things were going very well for the blonde. Todd had just signed a new studio contract. Not only that, but there was this supposed new romance she had talked about at the party involving a successful businessman. So her career was going well. She had a budding romance. She did have issues with alcohol and possible addiction, but no mention of a history of mental illness or depression. Not only that, but her trunk was found to contain Christmas gifts for her friends and family. These really aren't actions of someone intending on ending their own life. At the party in her honor, Thelma had some friends that she bet wouldn't come down to her cafe. And she said if they did, she would buy their lunch. The friends made it to the cafe that Sunday, even though Thelma wasn't present. But this next fact is the most curious. A friend of Todd's named Mrs. Wallace Ford swears up and down that she spoke to Thelma on the phone Sunday afternoon. She claims the call came in around 4.30 p.m. This was the day after the party at Trocadero's. Mrs. Ford was having a party that afternoon at 3 p.m. And she said Thelma called asking if she could bring a guest to the party. And she wouldn't reveal who the guest was, only cryptically saying, I want to have the fun of seeing your face when I come to the door. The story is disputed by police who say no calls were made from Todd's residence that day. But Mrs. Ford swears it was Thelma Todd and she knew her voice. Evidence clearly didn't point to suicide, which is probably why the cause of death was then changed to accidental. Now let's explore the idea that it was an accidental death. The theory is that Thelma got home from the party, 
realized she was locked out of her apartment and went to the garage to keep warm. Once inside the car, she accidentally succumbed to the fumes. Apparently, she had locked herself out on other occasions, but let's remember she had her purse with her, which contained the key to her apartment. So let's play devil's advocate and remember that Thelma generously engaged in lots of alcohol that night and probably wasn't in the most logical of states. We've all been there. You do a lot of dumb things in drunken states. So maybe she crawled into the car thinking she would turn on for a bit just to keep warm, fell asleep and accidentally died. This theory has several things going against it, though. I guess around that time, carbon monoxide poisoning was an issue by people warming up their cars in their garages. So there was this media campaign on blast that had been pushed out warning of the dangers of doing this. And Thelma knew quite a bit about cars, so this isn't something she would have done. There's also the whole idea of where the garage was located. She would have had to have walked over 220 stairs from her apartment to this garage, which was on a very steep incline. Now, Roland West himself refutes this theory, saying Thelma detested walking, even going so far as to say her doctor told her to avoid it due to a heart condition. So whether this is true or not, I, we probably will never know. The autopsy didn't find any heart conditions. But we do know every morning May picked her up rather than Thelma making the walk to the garage. The delicate blue shoes that she wore that night showed no signs of scuff or wear from someone who would have made that trek. And her hair was perfectly in place, something one wouldn't have expected from a windy night's walk. So as I said earlier, Thelma had locked herself out before. One time, she broke a window to get Roland's attention, so why wouldn't she have done the same thing this time? So which leads many to think of one solution, murder. People first point to the contents of her stomach. The autopsy found her last meal was peas and carrots, which I said were not served at the dinner party. So where did she get her last meal? Some theorize that Thelma didn't have her chauffeur walk her to her door because she was meeting someone else that night. Perhaps this someone took her for a meal and then proceeded to murder her. It would explain how her shoes had no wear and tear and why her hair was still perfectly in place. The list of suspects is interesting. There was the on-again, off-again relationship with Roland West. Perhaps he was jealous of this new love in San Francisco. We also know that mixing business with pleasure can get messy, especially in the situation involving his ex-wife. Who knows what was going on there? And there was also her abusive ex-husband, Pat DeSico. They had run into each other that night where many people say they had an argument. The wildest theory by far is that it was an arranged hit by Lucky Luciano. So rumors say that Luciano was interested in using part of the cafe as used for his casino. When Thelma objected, Luciano was reportedly enraged. It is odd that shortly after Todd's death, Luciano left Los Angeles and never returned. Murder would explain the odd injuries to her face and body. 
there was evidence of carbon monoxide poisoning. But let's say someone violently beat her, put her in her car with it running, and left her there unconscious. This would make it look like suicide or an accidental death. Sadly, the last theory to come to light is probably the most probable and involves Roland West. In 1987, Hal Roach spoke to writer Marvin Wolf about what West said actually happened that night. Roach said Roland West was a jealous, controlling man, and he wasn't happy about Thelma attending that party that night. He told her he wanted her back by 2 a.m. And when she stayed out later, he was livid. Thelma didn't have her chauffeur walk her to the apartment because she knew West would start an argument with her, and she didn't want to cause a scene. And that's exactly what West said happened when Todd arrived home. And Thelma, being the independent woman she was, declared no man would tell her what to do stating she was going to a party the next day, and he couldn't stop her. In fact, she proclaimed she was going to drive herself there, and that's when she headed to the garage. Now, once inside... When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. The garage, Wes said he wanted to show her a lesson, so he locked the door and he went back to bed. He never considered the idea of her starting the car and then dying. A few hours later, Wes said he went to the garage to check on her, and that's when he found her slumped over at the wheel. She had blood on her lip, but that was most likely from either her head hitting the steering wheel or possibly just biting her lip. Now, in a panic, Wes said he just shut the door to the garage and he went back to business as usual. The next day at the cafe, he pretended to not know where Thelma was when anyone asked or called about her. In reality, Roach said if Thelma were really missing like that, West would have gone crazy just trying to find out where she was. West just played it off like it was an accident and lived with the guilt. The Sidewalk Cafe still stands at 17575 Pacific Coast Highway. I guess it's still in use, but now it's more office spaces. And it is an absolutely stunning view. Roland West's reputation never recovered after Thelma Todd's death. Whether he was involved or not, it still affected his career. He passed away in 1952 at the age of 67. That was the death of Thelma Todd. I think I remember first reading about her death in the book Hollywood Babylon, and I know for sure there were pictures of her body slumped over in that car. I remember thinking that was very suspicious even then. Now I'm not so sure what I think. I definitely had no idea she started the Sidewalk Cafe. She was very ahead of her time as far as stars starting their own restaurants. She seemed like an intelligent, fun woman whose life was cut way too short. I'm always amazed at how young Hollywood stars were back in old Hollywood, 
you assume that they were grown women, but they were very young. It's probably because they were always paired with middle-aged men, which makes you think they were older. I mean, think of Lauren Bacall when she started. She was only 19. Thankfully, we have movies and short films of Thelma Todd's work still in existence, so her beauty and her talent still live on. If you like the podcast, please subscribe. You can also join the Red Rum Blonde Facebook group. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram. So thanks, Salvatore, for the cute pics of your baby. Those always brighten the day. I've been going through a pretty rough time. I had a rough breakup. We were together six years. He was the guy who encouraged me to actually start the podcast. So as you can imagine, it's been pretty hard since the breakup. So feel free to post those baby or pet pictures because I need some cuteness in my life. So thanks so much for listening and catch you all next time.